Welcome back to another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. Uh, flying solo today. But now that we are back, we are going to get into the Sixers talk. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of talk that needs to be had. There's a lot of conversation. Um, I was paying attention to some stuff uh, yesterday after the game. Um, I actually put a post up after the game, so you can get over to Sportswear Podcast right here in the group um, later on and check that post out. If you want to leave me a comment, feel free to do so. Also, while we are live, like you've seen, everybody else has been tuned in, letting me know that they're tuned in and they're getting acknowledged. Bradley Day, thanks for coming back, Cuzzo. Everybody else that was here, Kenny, um, Jackie Bridges, Robert Reeves, Mano Black, anybody, Gerald McKay, anybody that wants to come in, come on back in, tune in, and, and Chuck. Chuck Bolger, my guy, Richard Drummond, if you guys are able to tune in, please tune in and let me know what you think about some of the stuff I say and give me some comments on how you feel about how this trade is already playing out so far. And Kevin Wolf, thanks for tuning in. But now, folks, don't get me wrong. I, I totally understand that it's only been two games and a lot of people are going to base these two games on the fact that they were lower echelon teams. But if you think about it and you look at play play devil's advocate looking at the numbers, the Knicks are in the play-in tournament, so technically they're a playoff team, I believe. I know the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think, are in like seventh or eighth spot, so they would be in the play-in tournament. So technically they are also in the playoffs. But one of the things I want people to look at and think about real quick and you just look at the two games that were played with James Harden so far and think about Sixers teams overall the last maybe year or two although we were good we were making progress uh but one of the things that we always had an issue with and we would struggle with teams that we should just go out and flat out beat. We would either lose to them in a close game, we would struggle and just barely win, or we would play down to their level and end up losing those games. So in two games against overall that type of competition, they handled business in two blowouts um, against the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New York Knicks. So before I get into that fully, Um, I mentioned to you about the mandates being uh, loosened up or lessened in New York. Um, There's been a new statement from the mayor of New York, and what he says was, and I quote, making an exception for Kyrie Irving would send the wrong message to other city workers, end quote. So again, there's that thing where I told you that the mandate was lifted, uh, Similar to what's going on here in Philly, where you still have to wear a mask, but you don't have to show proof of vaccination. You don't have to be vaccinated. The rule, there was a, what do they call it, a proctor something um, in it for Kyrie Irving. Let me see. Let me get the right words. There's a private sector that Kyrie Irving somewhat falls under where he still cannot play in home games. But again, ironically, he can enter the facility as a spectator or as a fan has thanks for tuning in appreciate you bro um he can enter the game as a fan or as a spectator which is very very strange because now he could come into the building where he works and 
and not be able to perform his duties. But I, now that I've heard the, the statement, most restatement, and I kind of get where they're going. I'm not going to say I understand it, but I kind of get where they're going. Um, he says it would be a bad message to the city, to other employees. And, and I get that. So technically, place where Brooklyn Nets, they play in Brooklyn, which is in New York. So kind of, sort of, you can tie him in and technically say he is an employee of the city. So I get it. Chuck, my guy, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, Chuck, it is real weird. Um, but then again, like we, like I said earlier, that's what it is in New York. New York is just weird like that. Because like I mentioned, I don't understand how you can say he can come in the building, but he can't come in and play. So what's the point of even letting them in anyway? But also, um, Derek Jeter is stepping down as CEO of the Marlins. And there is a letter that was sent to the Arizona Cardinals by Kyler Murray's agent outlining Murray's demands and all of this other stuff. Um, I will get more more on that story a little bit later today, and I'll post it on social media and get you guys caught up in what's going on because I just got it real quickly, and I didn't really get a chance to do much homework on it. But I will, and I will get that back to you. But most importantly, we need to talk about our Philadelphia 76ers. So there has been ongoing chatter about situation with James Harden. Uh, several people have put things out there that James Harden was washed up. Uh, people have arguably said the Sixers got the bad end, the bad end of the trade. The Sixers lost the trade. And for right now, and again, like I said, I'm going to put aside the fact that there are going to be some people that are going to say, oh, well, they did that against the Knicks and they did that against the Timberwolves. Yada, yada, yada. They're still NBA teams. Still NBA players. Okay? But again, like I said just a couple seconds ago, you take those two games and you gauge them against what the Sixers were as a team the last year or two or so against those type of teams where you look at the rosters, you look at them on paper, and you immediately say, oh, this is a game that we should win, where the Sixers normally would either struggle and lose those games, struggle and just get by and win, or play to the competition level of their opponent and then have to fight to win or fight and just not and just not get over the hump. What they did the last two games, they took care of business. They blew those teams out, which is a great thing and a great feeling for a Philadelphia 76ers fan. So there's also the talk of, or there was also there was also the talk of James Harden being washed up. He's older. He's never won anything. He's going to fold in the playoffs. Yada yada yada. Again, here at Sports Rap, um, you have to understand. I have my job, so so I watch games in a different way than a lot of people do. Uh, Cuzzo Bradley Day says, I don't think it was a bad trade, but at the same time, I'm waiting for teams like the Bulls, the Nets, and the Heat, other strong teams. Absolutely. Um, Bradley, though, you can you can X the Bulls off of that. We own the Bulls this year. They have not beaten us this year without James Harden. So you can take them off of that list. We've got one more game against the Nets, which we'll really see what we've got. And then that game against the Heat which is going to be a good one. The front runners in the East 
the game against the Heat is going to be a good, good. It's going to be a great test for us. Like I said, um, that game here against the Nets, depending on who plays, because we don't honestly know who all is going to play in that game. So that may be also a somewhat of a throwaway game, for lack of a better phrase, if you will. But again, Brad, the Bulls, you can throw the Bulls out, even though they are the number two seed. We've already beaten them, I think, three times already without James Harden. So now that we're better with James Harden, I don't really see much of a difference there um, with the Bulls. But James Harden comes in game one against the Timberwolves. And I'm going to give you these stat lines for both of the games. So let's start with the Timberwolves on Friday. 27 points, 8 rebounds, 12 assists. 7 to 12 field goal percentage shooting. Sorry, not percentage. 12, 7 of 12 shooting from the floor. Three-pointers, 5 of 7. Free throws, 8 of 9 in 35 minutes and only two turnovers. Not too shabby for a debut game where people were questioning how would he fit with Joel Embiid, what's going to happen with Tyrese Maxey? Well, we've seen in two games what's happening with Tyrese Maxey. How does he fit with Joel Embiid? I think I just saw a stat earlier where 47% of Joel Embiid's buckets prior to having James Harden as his point guard uh, were assisted. Now that James Harden is here in two games, about 80% of his baskets were coming off of assists from James Harden. And it was actually put out there by Doris Burke um, on national TV yesterday that Joel Embiid finally has a point guard. And ironically, I've been saying this from the very beginning when Ben Simmons was here and he was placed into that role as the point guard as a facilitator. I told people from very the very beginning, from way back when, Ben Simmons is not a point guard. Ben Simmons is playing point guard. If you understand basketball, you truly understand what I mean when I say that. So now you see, and Joel Embiid has been one to say it himself, that a lot more of his baskets are easier. He said he felt like this is the most open he's been in a long time. Because he can truly operate in that space now that that's needed, that was needed for a big with his skill set. Because you cannot cheat off of James Harden. Um, if you do, you're possibly giving up another three points, um, either the three-pointer step back or the conventional drop three from Joel Embiid when he gets that pocket pass from Harden. And I think as far as the position of point guard, I definitely believe that James Harden's IQ is a little bit better than Ben's in that element. I'm not saying that James Harden is far better as far as an basketball IQ because I do feel like Ben Simmons does have a decent, solid basketball IQ. Um, yeah, uh, Brad, he asked, um, would you still trade Harris for someone else? One of the things um, going on with Tobias Harris is he has to find his way. Um, I said this when the trade was made, that this could possibly push him into his rightful spot, which in my opinion is a third or fourth option, 
Right now in these two games, he looks like he might be a fourth option because of the emergence and the way that Tyrese has gelled with the other two. But there are going to be moments for Tobias Harris, excuse me, with that second unit where that is arguably and probably where he's going to get most of his points. And again, like I posted um, on a comment yesterday, that's where I think Tobias Harris is. I also feel like it's going to be on his shoulders to recognize that and understand it. And I also mentioned that it's going to be on Doc as a coach to help get him to understand that that's where he's going to get most of his meat. That's where he's going to eat most. So until that happens, he's going to struggle. And, and I mean, yesterday he ended up with 12 points, five rebounds and two assists. But if you watch that game yesterday, he struggled mightily on the offensive end and everyone else was just fit for them. And I think that's because some of the other guys like the Danny Green, the Furkan Korkmaz are more the spot up shooters. The George Niang, somewhat of a spot up shooter as well. So they can they can fit in very easily. Um they know that they're going to get shots and they got those opportunities. With Tobias Harris being a little bit more versatile than those three players I just named, it may be a little bit more difficult for him to adjust. It may take a little bit longer for him to get the right message. Uh, but again, like I said, it's going to take him in practice and talking to these guys and playing in games and seeing where he's going to get most of his points, where he's going to eat. And again, it's also on the coaching staff, Doc Rivers and Sam Cassell and all those other guys to reassure him and support him and let him know where he is going to get those points. Um, as far as the trade for Harris Cuzzo, um, there's been talk that that could possibly happen uh, in the offseason. And a lot of that is due to the contract because I don't think he's going to want to restructure his contract. So I think at some point, Daryl Morey will want to move that contract and try. That's why the rumors were out that James Harden would definitely um not sign his original option year he would cancel that out sign a lesser max deal so that they can bring someone else in on another max deal uh, let's see Brad. yeah as long as we have strong chemistry and stay healthy we have a good chance to make a big push absolutely uh definitely no doubt um again like i said where the sixers were floating between three and six or four and six, if you will, pretty much all season long. And then you add in a guy like James Harden and you catapult. I mean, it's only been two games, but still, you catapult into the number three spot. So definitely, if they stay healthy, there's a lot that can be done with this team. I've also mentioned in a couple posts as, as a couple comments, it's like, yo, again, to argue what people saying about it's only two games. Yeah, it's only been two games, so just imagine what could happen once these guys truly know each other basketball-wise. They're getting a great feel right now, but what happens, let's say, in another three, four, five games when it's really clicking? Doc has his rotations pretty much in order. Could be very scary. 
could be very, very scary. So moving on, game two yesterday against the Knicks. James Harden gets his first triple-double as a Philadelphia 76er. He notched 29 points, 10 rebounds, 16 assists. People says he didn't pass the ball. People say he didn't do this. 12 assists in the first game, 16 assists in the second game. So ironically, ideally, just playing with the numbers, game one for James Harden, he could say he was accountable for 24 points at least. It's game two, 32 Okay, so we'll see. Yes, uh, every game is important no matter if it is great. Yes, absolutely. Every game does count. Like I said, Brad, in the beginning, may not be what you think, what you expect, or you figure you give it a little bit of discredit, but those guys are still NBA players. And like I said, if you remember the Sixers like I remember the Sixers, a lot of those games against these types of teams are teams that we would struggle and either have to fight to win or fight and not lose and all of that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. So getting back to uh, – James Harden's stat line from yesterday. Again, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 16 assists. Okay, his first triple-double as the Sixer. 8 of 14 from the floor. 3 of 7 from the three-point line. 10 of 18. Oh, actually, no, 10 of 10 from the free-throw line. (sighs) Five steals, three turnovers. Not too bad. Um, yesterday as well, the Sixers, what everybody is beginning to laud as their big three, Harden with the 29, 16, and 10, and B with the 37, 4, and 9, four blocks, nine rebounds, that is, Maxie with 21 points, three assists, and seven rebounds, and actually, and B with his 18th straight game on the road with 25 plus points. Tobias Harris, like I mentioned, um, a quiet 12, although he struggled mightily yesterday. A quiet 12 points, five rebounds, and two assists. So it's going to be a little struggle for Tobias, like we said, because he's going to have to figure out where he's going to get his points, where he's going to eat, and how he's going to get those points. And I just feel like a lot of that is going to come with that second unit where he would be either with Maxi or with Harden, um, and he would be the possible primary or at least the number or at worst the number two score on that unit and that's where he could thrive um as well so we talk about the trade and like we said people are still saying oh the Sixers lost that trade they gave up drumming and they don't have a backup center and this and that well Paul Millsat gave us six points yesterday in a good couple minutes um they re-signed they signed Carly Stein to a 10-day, which could arguably be, if they don't find somebody else in the buyout, could be the remainder of the season. Um, Bassey is getting work in down in the G League and playing well, and then you still have Paul Reed. But as far as Paul Reed and Bassey, you can't rely heavily on them because they're so young in the playoffs, and those guys are more athletic and just not ready yet. So you still need to work on them a little bit more. The Cauley Stein issue, he can play defense. He can get put back dunks. He can be a highlight for you. And then you also, you got six fouls that you can use when you rest Joel Embiid. Paul Millsat, when you go small ball, could arguably be the center um, in that lineup or in that rotation. And then you see as well as yesterday, although the young kid came out and played tough, Embiid was just too much to handle. Both of their centers fouled out of that game, which hurt them late in the game. Uh, Mitchell Robinson and the kid, uh, Phoenix or whatever his name is, a light-skinned kid that came in and played for the Knicks. 
So both of those guys fouled out, and then it was like Julius Randle having to guard Joel Embiid, which is a mismatch in the favor of the Philadelphia 76ers. So people say that the Sixers gave up too much um, in giving up Andre Drummond and more so Seth Curry because they argue Seth Curry was the shooter. And don't get me wrong, like I've said um, since the trade, I I love Seth Curry. I hope that we could, I wish that we could have worked out something where we could have kept him, but it just didn't work out that way business-wise. Also, he's on an expiring contract. Andre Drummond was on a one-year deal. And the way that he played, Andre Drummond was going to get offered some money. So he was arguably and probably going to be leaving at the end of the season anyway to get that next contract. And the thing with Seth Curry, and people have to understand, and like I said, um, Brad, what is he saying? So they look so they go look ahead for a power forward. Slash, yeah, they'll probably will. They'll probably see what happens with Carly Stein. And then they'll probably try and make another move in the um, buyout market. See who's out there for a backup center um, late into that push for the playoffs. But getting back to Seth Curry, like I said, um, great trade when we got him. Um, Just the fact that because of the makeup of the roster at that time and his ability to shoot the ball as well as he does, it just by default put him in the starting role. Um, There was no other way around it here. Andre Drummond was arguably the best center, backup center that Joel had. And I think the Nets realized that if we don't get him, if we have to go up against Joel and him as a backup, it's going to be tough for us because their centers are not all that great. I mean, they have LaMarcus Aldridge at center, who's not really a center. The the young guy in this class, and we've seen over the last year or so, can do nothing with Joel Embiid. And I think that was the concern for them. Um, having someone that could arguably battle Joel Embiid. But we all know the story between Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond as opponents. Also, the Seth Curry thing with him added in, I think that gave them some security uh, as far as Joe Harris being out and the ongoing injury with Kevin Durant and the part-time play of Kyrie Irving. So they had to have someone else that could score the ball, a veteran, because if you look at the rest of that roster, it's a lot of young guys that have just been playing well because they've been getting minutes now with the injuries and the trade and everything. But I understood the business side of that, where they felt like they needed somebody else that could score the ball. Um, again, they got Ben Simmons in that deal, which was great for the Sixers. They finally got rid of that headache. They finally ended that soap opera and moved him to a different situation where he wanted to be. Uh, Joel Embiid had even mentioned to Malika Andrews that he tried numerous occasions to talk to this guy and try to assure him, yo, like, we can bring you in, we can do this. He was not having any of it. So Joel Embiid now is happy with the trade, and he said he's done, he doesn't care anymore. And I truly believe that. Um, But you have to give him credit for stating that he tried. It was just Ben Simmons who did not want to change um who was stuck on his word and stuck in his ways and did not want to participate or be a part of the philadelphia 76ers and the city of philadelphia any longer so we see and ironically we knew pretty much what we were getting as far as in a basketball player and james harden when he came here and immediately minds started racing 
what could they do together? This could be this could be Kobe and Shaq, a remnant of Kobe and Shaq again. This and this and this and this. It's going to take some time, folks. And I understand. And I appreciate as a fan. I appreciate all those comments and that that hope um, and that premonition. It's going to be something special. Like I said, you looked at the first two games, and these guys truly do not know each other fully yet, basketball wise. But you got two guys that have such high basketball IQs that it's coming together rather quickly. And again, we knew what we were getting. In two games, we've seen what, we, what we've got in James Harden. Again, you have a, a legit point guard. And I'm not saying that Tyrese Maxey was not good. Tyrese Maxey was good, but I still felt like Tyrese Maxey still needs to learn the actual NBA point guard position. So now he's got two coaches and an NBA point guard playing with him that can teach him. So the sky is the limit for Tyrese Maxey. He's adjusting very well. He's fitting right in um, in the last two games with James Harden. And again, he is going to be the benefit because of his speed off the ball with James Harden and the IQ that James Harden has. Also, people said that Joel Embiid was not a, a pick-and-roll guy. Well, he showed it to you yesterday. He showed it to you a little bit on Friday night. But more so yesterday, he showed it to you. Uh, he did get one lob. He got one that was throwing him high, but he caught it, kept it high, came down with it, put it back in. You know, so he's going to do what he does. And Joel can adapt. Um, my guy, Rich, thanks for tuning in. Joel can adapt and has adapted so far. And like I said, when you've got two guys that have IQs as high as these two have had success like these two have had, it can only get better. So we'll definitely um, see what's going on. But getting back to what I was saying about how people were somewhat comparing what the Sixers gave up and they gave up too much. Well, I went through it two weeks ago uh, when you saw that the Knicks ended up, I mean, the Nets ended up giving eight, giving up eight first round picks, four pick swaps and four first round picks in order to get James Harden. The Sixers gave up two. Although one is in 2027, one through eight protected. The one for this year upcoming is a option to swap. So if the Sixers like the pick or if the Nets like the pick, whatever, some way it can go to the Sixers or it can go to the Nets, whatever the situation may be. But again, I still think the Sixers are in better shape right now. And that's more so because the star player that the Nets got has not played yet. And now he has a current setback. And I mean, we all figured, we all speculated that he wasn't going to play in that game here on March the 10th against the Philadelphia 76ers. We pretty much expected that not to happen. But now we have a setback as far as him and his back where it looked like he could have been coming back before Kyrie. Some things would have been on his shoulders, and you all know what we've said about the things being on his shoulders. We've all seen how he performs in those kind of moments. Doesn't really want any part of it, so now his back issue, and there's no set timetable on his return. So we don't know yet when we'll see Ben Simmons actually in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. That is still yet to be seen. Again, um, 
the mandates in New York have been lessened, but there's still an issue with Kyrie Irving. And then, like I mentioned to you before this segment, the mayor said that if he made special arrangements for Kyrie, it would not be fair. It would be wrong decision. It would send a wrong message to uh, other New York City employees. Uh, so honestly, my cousin Brad Dace, honestly, Philly won the trade because of James Harden will take the shots without shutting down. And absolutely, you can definitely argue that. You know, um, I, I am I am fine with the trade. And just a, a weird stat um, that came out um, after yesterday's game, and this is in regards to the trade. And like I said, we don't know exactly when Ben Simmons is going to put on uniform and step on the court for the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm also anxious and curious to see how this is going to render with the stars of that team like Kevin Durant and the part-time star Kyrie Irving and other players um how Andre Drummond and Seth Curry are going to feel about that knowing that they could possibly be going through the same thing again on a different team but this is what that stat was and again we gave up Curry yeah maybe postseason absolutely uh 29 points for James Harden you could say that is equal to Seth Curry's production here. His 10 rebounds, arguably, again, Andre Drummond's production here. 16 assists, Ben Simmons, because he did make a lot of passes and he had some buckets, he had some assists, he had some triple doubles here, yes. The five steals, as far as him being a defensive uh, juggernaut, if you will, and Ben Simmons, the five steals is also Ben Simmons. So you make all of that up in one player, and you gave up three. One was a starter, one was a bench player, one hadn't played a game at all. So I think the Sixers are in really, really good shape right now. Um, again, you had a little bit of a scare with the falling of Joel and B yesterday. But it was no issue, as you saw throughout the remainder of the game. He performed at a high level. Uh, James Harden, when he needed to, got the Sixers buckets. Something that we had not seen out of Ben Simmons. So, again, in my analyzing of the trade and the first two games, Sixers are in really, really good shape right now. Like I said, Doc has been has stated and he's been showing it in the two games that he wants to keep two of his starters ideally on the court at all times. I think that can work now uh, because of the addition of James Harden, so that can work. And Joel Embiid is still the Joel Embiid that we've seen before the James Harden, and it's just so much prettier because now he doesn't have to work so hard to get those buckets a lot more of those buckets are a lot easier like he even stated himself they're a lot easier um like i said that stat 47 percent of those buckets he had to get on his own now 87 percent um or 81 percent are being assisted by james harden and you see that these guys are together um they're communicating on the court they're communicating on the sideline James Harden has come in and filled um, another leadership role where he is talking to guys on the court. He's talking to guys on the sideline. He's been doing that since he's been here. Um, even when he didn't play, when they were resting, resting him, going into the All-Star break, but he was with the team. 
and then he was in practice. Um, again, this Ben Simmons thing, again, we still do not know when he's going to play. But it makes it very easy now as Philadelphia fans, Philadelphia media, to say, oh, what did you expect? This is what we got for this season. And the type of play was okay. I mean, because of his defense and the th- other, some of the other things that he did, he became an all-star. And I think he was content with that. Uh, and, you know, the issue with the criticism and everything, Joel Embiid went through the same thing here from the same people, Shaq and Chuck. And you saw what Joel Embiid did. He made, took it upon himself and improved himself, improved his game, and now he's proven them wrong, and now he has the love and support of those particular guys and, of course, the city of Philadelphia. And Ben Simmons has not done that. Um, the other stat that was jokingly uh, thrown around on social media, James Harden made five threes in, his first, in one game. That's, the, that's what Ben Simmons made in his four-year career here with the Sixers. So ironically, right now, you could very much say that the Sixers won that trade. And again, you kind of have to give it a curve. And I'm, I'm just being brutally honest here. You still kind of have to give it somewhat of a curve because Brent Ben Simmons has not played with the Brooklyn Nets yet. And it also, again, it just leads you to that continuing factor where how is this going to play out? We talked about this last week and the week before that. And we talked about it two weeks ago on Thursday at the Drake. What is going to happen as we see now that the mandate has been lifted in New York, but Kyrie is still not allowed to play in home games. So right now, the Brooklyn Nets are in the eighth spot. They would be in the play-in tournament. So then once they start the playoffs, if they end it, um, yeah, he doesn't have the mindset to make a change. He needs a wake-up call. Yeah, well... And, and I'm sure you're talking about Ben Simmons. You got to think about the time that he he's been here. When you analyze it, you look at the situation. He's where he wants to be, and that's fine with him. It, for him, it doesn't matter what people say where he should be, where he could be. He's perfectly fine with where he is right now, and, and that's a, a major problem because um, this could have ramifications on collective bargaining agreements, um, how other players get contracts, things of that nature. And he's not even thinking about that because he signed his contract, he got his money, and he's okay with where he is. But, um, again, getting back to his situation with the Brooklyn Nets as well, you've got the part-time situation with Kyrie, again, uncertainty or the unsurety of when Kevin Durant's going to return. The Nets are, like I said, eighth right now in the play-in tournament. So the playoffs started, even if they win and get to seven and stay eight, they are going to go on the road for the first round of the playoffs. So they're not going to have Kyrie for four of those games if that's if that comes to, to the situation or if that comes to fruition. That's, that's four games without Kyrie Irving. So that would leave you with Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, if Joe Harris comes back and then you look at the rest of that roster and you're like, okay, DeMar, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge may give us one night. The young guys may give us a night, but it's a seven game series and you got to play four of them without your second leading score. 
which is going to be tough in the playoffs. And then the situation becomes, what is Ben Simmons going to do in that situation? And how will Kevin Durant react if he does what he did here? Kevin Durant, we know, is a finals, two-time finals MVP. Kyrie Irving should have been a finals MVP, but he has won a finals. So you have two guys that definitely know how to get it done. Uh, let's see, because uh, he says, for myself, I feel like Ben will not be in the league for another four or five years if he doesn't work on his issue. Yeah, well, shout-outs to uh, a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show, Claude. When we talked about his situation, and we all know his situation, the familial situation. I'm not going to go into detail about it. And I also said that that could also possibly play a part in his uh, mental health issues. But what I also said was, being a former member of the mental health working field, my partner also, Baldy, worked in that mental health field. And the gentleman I just mentioned, Claude, also worked in that field. I think we all came to agreement, and I don't remember if Claude chimed in on it or not, but I know me and Baldy were in agreement that with everything that he claimed that he went through as far as mental health, and then all of a sudden you're traded and now you're back with the team, you're in a facility and you're happy and everything now. What we all, or at least two of us, um, remembered from our time in that field is that it typically, you don't typically come out of it that fast. And I'm not saying that you can't, but from us having the background, it typically doesn't happen that quickly that you come out of it. And what happened to the situation where a lot of players used basketball as their sanctuary for some of their mental health issues? And they go to where they felt most comfortable, where they felt most safe on the basketball court. For him, that wasn't the same situation. He went on to say that he couldn't even come in the building. But you were at the practice facility while the team was actually playing a game. But you couldn't come in the building. Now you get traded, you're on this Nets team, who arguably on paper, again, were the favorites. But we see how that played out last year, and we see how it's playing out this year. He should... He should have just finished the year and give it time to process. What I'm saying, yeah, Brad, but but that's the issue with him. He doesn't have that in his makeup, in his mindset, to look at it that way. So that that's part of the problem as well. But again, um, we don't know what the true situation was. Like I said, and we just came to that conclusion that it usually or typically doesn't happen that fast where you come out of your situation. That was holding you back. But again, like I said, you couldn't come to the Sixers facility to play games. But while the team was playing games, you were at the practice facility working out with some of your own people. Then you make, then the trade happens and you end up a day or two after the trade, you end up in that building on the bench with that team. Well, now that they have another setback, because initially we knew that he, well, we speculated and, and we're arguably right that he wasn't going to play on March the 10th. So that's pretty much out the door. And now he has this reconditioning and now he has some soreness or whatever in his back, as they stated, and there's no set timetable for when he will return. So we're still yet to see 
what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. And again, I'm anxious to see if and when he does return, if he does the same things that he did here on the court. How is that going to how is that going to be handled by Kevin Durant? And if he gets the opportunity to play with Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, how is he going to react when, if both of them are playing, the game gets close and gets on the line where those two are going to be the two man game looking to score a bucket and he's going to be in the dunker spot or not have the ball in his hands. We'll see how that plays out and see how he reacts to that. So again, folks, thank you all for, tuning in um i hope i gave you some insight on some of this sixer stuff you know and just 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 ride it out like i said we got a very very good taste um we got the back end of a home and home with the knicks on wednesday again so gonna be exciting gonna be a fun run down the stretch and just ride it out and see how it plays out like i said if you've seen if you like what you saw so far it can only get better um, if he does change his style, it could be a dangerous test for us. Yeah, it could be. But bottom line is we've got a lot more insight than they do because he was drafted here and he was here for a long time. So we've got a little bit more insight. And, you know, it's going to be awkward to see him go up against these guys that he played with um, and see how that situation bodes well for him because we know what we, what I told you last week. And it's posted so you can go through the group page and find it about how he feels that um, everything needs to revolve around him on and off the court. And he tends to shy away from coaching and instruction. So we'll definitely see what happens there. Again, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Rad Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. Each and every Monday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., I'm here. Also, this Thursday... We return to the Drake Tavern. If you have not had a chance to get out there with us, I know a lot of you have tuned in on the live feed, but we need you guys to get on out. Come on out, hang out with us live and in person. We appreciate the support um, through the live feed and you watching and everything, tuning in. But get on out. Come on out, like we say. Come on out, talk some sports with us live and in person. Have a couple drinks with us, enjoy some, some good food, and just enjoy the atmosphere out and being able to see us in person as you always listen to us and hear us on the airwaves. Again, this Thursday, about 6.30, 7 p.m., we will be at the Drake Tavern. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks, cuz. Have a great day. We'll tune in tomorrow. I'm off work. Cool. Thank you for tuning in today, cuz. I appreciate it. For everybody else that tuned in, thank you all, as always. Here are your score, your schedules for today. In the NHL, you got the Maple Leafs at the Capitals, the Canucks and the Devils, the Bruins and the Kings. In men's college basketball, top 25, number 10, Baylor is facing off against twenty number 20, Texas. Kansas State goes up against number 9, Texas Tech. Northwestern faces off against number 25, Iowa. And number 12, UCLA will face off against the University of Washington. In the NBA, you got Pacers, Magic, T-Wolves, Cavs, Bulls, Heat, which should be a good one uh, in the Eastern Conference. Raptors, Nets, definitely going to pay attention to that one as well. And Hornets, Bucks. It's your boy signing out. You know where to reach me in the group on Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast, right here where we are live. Also, Instagram and Twitter, 
You can catch me at sportswrap underscore D. You can catch the website, sportswrapradio.com. YouTube, the channel, Sportswrap TV. Get over there, hit the bell so you know when new video is uploaded. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, tell a friend to tell a friend, and hit that thumbs up on all the videos that you like. And again, this Thursday, Drake Tavern, Sports Rap at the Drake. Come on out, hang out with us, talk to us, talk some sports. I'm sure we'll have some more Sixers talk and some other stuff to talk there as well. And also, other than right here on Heat 100 Radio, you can get the audio on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and most of your podcast outlets. Have a great week, folks. Be great on purpose. Bundle up for some of you that are not privy to the cold or do not like the cold. It's going to be a high of 40. So it's a little chilly. So bundle up. Enjoy the kickstart to your work week. And stay tuned all week long. And remember, Thursday, 6.30 p.m., Drake Tavern, Sports Rep at the Drake. You'll see the post all week. So just stay tuned. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll see you on Thursday and then right back here next Monday. Thank you all. Have a great day. Another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio each and every Monday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And where you get your weekend recap of sports in the best way possible. I feel like in the most honest way possible. Um, Like we say, sports as we see it. So we give it to you from our perspective, that being a fan's perspective. But we also like to pull you into the other side and have you understand some of the business and why some of the stories that we talk about are what they are and why some of these things happen. So getting back into what we do, um, I talked to you about, like I mentioned before the break, I talked to you about the disparity in the pay uh, between the U.S. women's men, women's ten, national team and the na- men's national team uh, as far as the soccer players. The U.S. women's team had an appeal. They filed that. They got some money. They got some mail. Thanks for tuning in. So I also brought to you way back when, and we talked about this uh, quite a few times, uh, I believe, the apparent and also the disparity in pay uh, within the WNBA, the actual sister organization of the NBA. And it's amazing how this league and their marketing and their pay for their players is really, really not what it should be, um, in my opinion. Um, This is the reason why a lot of these women are playing year-round. Like, you understand, in the NBA, these guys are getting these crazy, crazy contracts. And even before this, they would have an offseason. But they were paid substantially enough where they didn't have to really worry. They have, Their offseason would pretty much be their offseason. They could take their vacations and whatever, whatever, enjoy time with their families. And then when it was time to get back to work, they had that scheduled all in there, and they would start getting back to work. Some of these, or most of these professional women athletes, end up going overseas in their WNBA offseason 
to continue to have some financial support or some financial stability. So it's long, long overdue. And I mean, they apparently made some small changes, as we noted um, last year, but nothing real significant. Um, I think there needs to be more support from the NBA because a lot of those teams are affiliated with the NBA teams like the G League in a lot of ways similar to the G League where they're like the oh, the little sister Jackie. Thanks for tuning in, bro. I'm trying, Jackie. Thanks, man. I appreciate the support all the way from Texas as always. Um, yeah, so these ladies um, are very much underpaid. And one who has spoken out before on this issue, who has spoken out on other issues, Bradley Day. Cuzzo, thanks for tuning in. Uh, yes, sir, Jackie Rest. Big facts, absolutely. Um, what's going on, Cuzzo? Again, these ladies are very, very much underpaid. And again, one that has spoken out on this issue previously um, and has spoken out on other issues. And um, ironically, one of my favorite players in the league um, and has gained a lot more respect for her using her platform off of the court um, and standing up for the WNBA and the other ladies and for herself and other issues. That one being Liz Cambage, uh, now a member of the LA Sparks, because there was some free agency going on in the WNBA, and it was a little crazier than normal. Um, I tried to keep up with it, and I gave you what I could give you as far as social media and posting the things that I saw and things that I caught. But it was a little, you could arguably say it was a little frenzy um, for the ladies uh, this year. But nonetheless, again, we were talking about their pay. And Liz Cambage is one, again, like I said, who stands up for herself and stands up for the issues. Um, she goes into and she makes reference to one of the biggest um, moves of the WNBA offseason um, may just have been the coaching change where Becky Hammond was hired um, as the new coach of the Las Vegas Aces, which was Liz Cambage's team prior to her signing as a free agent um, uh, just a few weeks ago with the L.A. Sparks. Um, she, Becky Hammond, is about to become one of the most, most high-profile figures in the WNBA, and she'll be the highest-paid person working in the league as well. Um, she will reportedly get $1 million from the Aces, um, and the WNBA salaries are consistently a subject of intense debate because they are so, so much lower than any than other American professional sports leagues. Absolutely. Um, and after seeing this, again, Liz Cambage was not happy, was not pleased. Um, she's seen that the someone in the WNBA will earn a $1 million check, was a cause for celebration in some circles, but for Ken Bosch, um, it has been one of the Aces, one of, who has been one of the Aces' best players the last two seasons. Um, she called out the inequality in the WNBA's pay structure where a coach make, can make significantly more than a player. So um, I, I get that from her. Like I said, she does stand up. Um, she put out a tweet, and I quote, 
Ah, yes, the w at WNBA, where a head coach can get paid four times the highest paid player's super max contract. LMAO, and y'all think I'm going to spend another season upgrading my seat on a flight to get to games out of my own pocket? Which apparently, um, Liz Campbell, she earned more a little more than 221000 last season. Um, the salary cap for 2022 is just... One million three hundred seventy-nine thousand two hundred. Um, there's no course. There's of course no salary cap for coaches and executives. Okay, we get that. Um, there's also a lack of accommodation, like we've seen that. Um, like she said, Liz even has paid out of her pocket to upgrade um, her flights so that she can have comfortable flying arrangements. So. She stands up, um, you know, the Supermax in the WNBA right now, 2022. It says Brianna Stewart, who re-signed with the Storm on a one-year, what they call a Supermax deal of $228,000. Did they need to change the name of that? Because that is not a Supermax. Um, I think the... WNBA is well beyond um, and paying these ladies and, and something else needs to be done. Skylar Diggins also um, made some headway and mentioned some things about the gap in the, in the uh, women's sports, which is unbelievable because you talk about the men being the best athletes in the world and these women are the best women basketball players in the world. And I just feel like they should be paid accordingly. Again, as the sister organization of the NBA, and we know how much money the NBA brings in, we know how much money NBA players are getting on max deals, super max deals. There needs to be a lot more support from the big brother than there is. Uh, if it's nothing but marketing um, to get more people into the stands to help them recoup some money to help pay these ladies, there's always ways. There's something that can be done. And it, it, and as much as I applauded the NBA over the last couple of years as far as what they did um, with the bubble during COVID and the way they've progressed um, with this COVID situation, that was all fine and well. It was great for your organization, your internal uh, dealings. But you've got to help these ladies. You've got to help this other league. Um, you may want to try looking at possibly expanding. Uh, bring a team to Philadelphia. Get some teams or, or, or try to get some teams in some cities that are a little bit more marketable. Um, Try to pair them with more of the bigger market teams in the NBA. Uh, Philadelphia is a big market. Philadelphia does not have a WNBA team. Um, I think that's something that should be looked into. I think that would help. And again, like I said, there needs to be more help from Big Brother in order for this league to thrive. I'm sure... There are some people tuned in or some people that are listening that may say, oh, well, it's just women's basketball, whatever, yada, yada, yada. If you haven't been tuned in, you haven't been watching, you should. 
a lot of that is good basketball. I mean, you can even go back to most recently this past championship with the Chicago Sky winning the championship. Um, great story. They end up getting Candace Parkers uh, from the L.A. Sparks, one of the biggest stars in the WNBA, returning home to play for her home team, the Chicago Sky. They end up winning the championship. But the camaraderie and the togetherness of that team, if you didn't see it, you can go back and watch tape on them. And also, the MVP, Kalia Copper from Philadelphia, the work that she put in, if you don't know, Google her, check her out. The work that she put in, the work that all of these ladies put in to get to this level needs to be compensated, just like the men are compensated. And I understand, totally, totally understand that the WNBA being a smaller league will not have the max contracts or the super max contracts that they have in the NBA, but it needs to be a little bit closer than what it is right now. It's a major disparity. Some of the players have spoken out. And again, this is what I say. This is why last season you had some women opt out of playing because of this. Um, And again, this is why you see so frequently a lot of these women in their WNBA season, then they go right back overseas to play. Again, to continue their financial stability and their financial support. They have to do that. Again, and like I said, within the NBA, the guys there, they get their offseason, hang out with the families, vacations. Like I said, they had that timetable for when they need to get prepared to get 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 back to work. It could be the same thing for the ladies if the NBA would help more. That's pretty much what I got to say on that. 11.45, folks. I'm going to take another quick break. When I come back, we are going to go heavy on some Sixers talk. I was saving that for last. I had that in my outline and everything. I had that at first, um, ironically. But I knew that was going to be where I close out today's show. Um, I'm going to take another quick break. Like I said, Kenny, uh, Brad, Cuzzo, uh, Jackie Bridges, Melva Lord, thank y'all for tuning in. Like I said, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to get into what everybody else wants to talk about. We're going to talk more about this trade. We're going to talk about James Harden in his debut two games with the Philadelphia 76ers so far. And we are going to talk a little bit about how Tobias Harris is still trying to find his way in with the rest of the guys. Um, Everybody else has seen two pick up and fit in. Tobias is still working on that, but we'll talk about that on the other side. But before I take this break, um, as I mentioned about the ladies and them end up ending up going back overseas to play um, in the offseason, there was a league, it was called Athletes Unlimited. They recently crowned the champion and they have um, c- confirmed that they will report next year. Um, just a little bit about this league. It is a league of four teams of 11 players, but the players are redrafted each week. As a result, the inaugural season crowned an individual rather than a team champion um, this past Saturday. Um, Atlanta Dreams forward Tiana Hawkins won that title after earning the most points in the league system, which rewards both individual and team performance. Um, In this league, she led the league in rebounds 
uh, with 166 and double-doubles, um, notching 11. She also ranked second in points with 357 and owns the single-game record for this league um, for 43 points, leader points 790, and field goals 19. So this league is coming back. Um, I think this is also something good for the ladies, and it's here in the States, so it's something that gives them the opportunity to stay in the States and not have to go back overseas and play um, to recoup those funds, like I said, the financial support, uh, the financial stability, stability that they need. Um, in order to continue to be professional athletes and live the lifestyle that they need. But again, NBA, Adam Silver, you guys need to sit down with the Board of Governors of the WNBA, talk some things out, and like I said, it could be something as simple as marketing that could help them get some funds in. Um, and, you know, got to do something. These ladies deserve more than what they're getting. I am a firm believer of that. I am backing that. You heard it right here on Sports Rap from me, Sports Rap D on Heat on the Radio. I'm going to take another quick break. Like I said, when I come back, we are going to be heavy, heavy on the Sixers and the results so far of the James Harden trade to Philadelphia. Stay tuned, folks. I'll see you on the other side in just a couple minutes. <laughs> 